0: And that was Super Soldier. Join us next time.
1: <laughs> oh, no, All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening this week. <laughs> He's wow, like, how long was that? I don't know break? how long that pee was, man. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I didn't. I didn't realize how long I was in there, urinating.
2: <laughs> it was like we were watching the end of Strange Brew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude.
2: The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: I saw Strange Brew for the first time when I was like 17, 18 years old. All right. And no lie. I was vaguely aware of the McKenzie brothers, but when I watched that movie, I had never laughed so hard in my fucking life.
0: It's really good.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. One part in particular though, like I almost pissed my pants. Like my friend, Derek was actually getting annoyed because I, I kept making him like, pause and then rewind the scene so I could see it Like, and I just couldn't stop laughing for like 10 fucking minutes straight uh, was when they're walking out of was it oh my god walking out of the police station and the lawyer goes it's the press let me handle this and he just walks over and he starts fucking kung fu fighting every (laughs) fucking member of the press i lost my shit dude like i could not contain myself whatsoever because it was the last thing i expected to happen the the misdirection on that was fucking brilliant it like it makes me giggle thinking about it now like he fucking just like full-on like just walks up and just fucking roundhouses the first dude it's hysterical it's patrick swayze in roadhouse quality <laughs> like,
2: it is amazing
1: like this this lawyer who just like unassuming you wouldn't anticipate it and just goes full on i'll tell you when to not be nice <laughs> like,
2: hey, uh, sorry i'll will be right back two seconds
1: mm-hmm
0: I, I thought you were going to say something about the Mel Blank part at the end.
1: Yeah. Oh, dude, there's so much great stuff yeah. in that movie. It's, it
0: is That's a good one. That's that's another sleeper where it's like, if you haven't seen it, you should you should definitely at some point watch it. If you have an appreciation for 80s comedies. Well, you know what?
1: I was you know, you almost you took the words almost completely out of my mouth. It You know, I wouldn't recommend that to just anybody. And I wouldn't even say 80s comedies. If you have an appreciation for comedy. You know like genuinely and generally if you like comedy and you enjoy how the different facets of it can break down and work and you see what different styles are being utilized and and you recognize and i'm not trying to like be a a a a pedant about it you know i'm not trying to be pedantic but like if you can if you can truly appreciate all the components of a bit before you then and, and still laugh and understand like you can understand the mechanics but still enjoy the execution in and overall result just for what it is anyway then strange brew is 100 percent a movie you should see
0: yeah i so. I, I i like it too and I I think it's it's one of those. Yeah, well, Justin, you are actually
1: you, you you are actually one of those people. Like, yeah, I I know you haven't like necessarily broken it down to think of it in those terms, but you are one of those people because you can you can see the components, you can break it down. You you understand how it might have been influenced or or structured because of one thing. And regardless of how you may view that, you can still appreciate how funny it is for what it is on its own. You know, not a lot of people are like that.
0: If if you ever watch the movie Beer Fest, right? If people enjoy <laughs> that, you can see how that came from this. And, and it's like, yeah, there's a lot of elements of strange brew in this movie. So one scene in particular with uh was it garbage hose or what was his name? Dumpster. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, I, land, I landfill, I, landfill. <laughs> yeah, landfill.
1: Yeah. When he fucking when they killed him and then brought in his twin fucking brother, I swear to God. I was like, You guys uh that is Monty Python SC worthy shit right there. Did you guys watch uh Quasi on Hulu at all?
0: No. It was the, the new broken lizard, it came out uh maybe about a month ago. maybe, maybe I, less I, I
1: wasn't even aware of it. You could um, you could
0: continue your life, you know, and not watch it too. That that'd be fine. Have you <laughs> met me? Yeah, it's, but yeah, a broken lizard's quasi about uh, Quasimodo.
1: Well, I mean, I figured it was Quasimodo the second you said quasi. <laughs> I I put that much together. Uh, also, I just watched like a whole two, three, like two hours and three videos worth of uh, Walt Disney shit last night. So Qu- Hunchback, oh, cool. Hunchback of Notre Dame is very firmly entrenched in my brain at the moment. Quasi. Did you watch Hunchback too? Uh, dude, Electrical I haven't blue. I haven't, yeah, I haven't watched you know. <laughs> I haven't watched the Hunchback of Notre Dame since it first came out and I barely remember it.
2: I oh, just I remember
1: I remember like the one like the one of the jokes that Jason Alexander's gargoyle character made where he was like, pour the wine and cut the cheese. That's
0: that's yep. like all I remember. that's in the trailer. So <laughs> that's a good one. Yep. I like uh, I like that one. That one's uh, it's it's actually pretty darker than people expect, and uh, it's got some
1: good Kevin Klein stuff. I mean, Kevin Klein's good in everything. That's a fact. It's not an opinion. <laughs> oh, wait. Let me. Nope. Checks out. Yep, nope. Survey says. <laughs> yep, Steve Harvey just
0: gave the thumbs up. <laughs> Richard Dawson? Oh no! Okay.
1: <laughs> wow! <laughs> Aren't you late to start the feud? Go back to your podium. all right uh let's uh let's let's get this party started here as uh as will i am and you're gonna
0: introduce the podcast
1: (laughs) i I fucking guess right might as well hey everybody you're listening to comics paradox podcast uh we we talk about alternative tales such as marvel's what ifs and dc's elseworlds as well as different alternate reality takes on different story arcs and characters that you may already be familiar with, uh, such as X-Men Age of Apocalypse, or uh, as we are covering tonight, Amalgam Comics. Uh, And joining me as ever, uh, two fine gentlemen. First, we'll go to Mr. Leo Pond. Say hey to everybody, Leo. Hey, everybody. Thank you for so succinctly (laughs) following my request. (laughs) And secondly, but definitely not thirdly... (laughs) It's still, technically third because there's only three of us here. Justin Cooper,
0: hello. <laughs> Match that energy.
1: Yeah, you guys are super <laughs> fucking worthy. This is <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Greetings and
2: salutations.
1: Yeah, so uh, tonight, today, whatever the fuck you might be listening yeah, to, us, we are covering uh, an amalgam comics issue from Wave One uh, when they were doing Marvel versus DC, DC versus Marvel called super soldier number one this is a combination of marvel comics captain america and dc comics character of superman you may have heard of either one of them uh they're i know they they kind of fly under most people's radar i don't think they're that popular right of an
0: avant-garde character you guys had to
1: look up captain <laughs> america and superman when we did this right yeah Like double check like oh it's that guy okay i get it now um and this uh this one was you know it's the I for the premise of it, it's very straightforward uh insofar as the combination. They were working on a super soldier serum type project in the US government. Uh they didn't have any place to necessarily start from. They were trying to figure it out and they happened upon this rocket ship that landed in nineteen thirty-eight. Uh the baby that they found the corpse in it Um, obviously it did not survive hence the use of the word corpse but they were able to take cellular samples experimented on them and incorporated them into the serum project they were working on and uh, they applied it to a young 4F classified recruit named Clark Kent who is uh, this skinny little blonde dude with glasses who apparently still had abs um, yes, yes, indeed. Maybe not a six pack, but certainly some definition. And, you know, those might not have been abs. That might just been the fact that he was incredibly skinny and he had no choice but to see his musculature because there was nothing there. Otherwise, um, some body fat is necessary to live kids. It's it's okay. To, it's okay to acknowledge that. Oh, you're preaching to the choir, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. You know, but, uh, and instead of having a Dr. Erskine type character uh, who guided the whole project, came up with the idea and developed the Vita Rays that activated the super serum, uh, super soldier serum within uh, Steve Rogers' blood in Marvel Comics. And this, because of the experiments they had done with the cells, they uh, applied their, their serum, which they combined these cells with, uh, and then bombarded the soldier, uh, the soldier, the, so soldier, the recruit, Clark Kent with solar radiation instead of Vita rays uh, and upon doing so it did activate the the super soldier serum in Toto uh, but it actually gave him as they say powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men so instead of uh, him being a in peak absolute peak physical condition uh, such as Steve Rogers is as Captain America with um, in high endurance, in stamina, strength, speed, uh, agility, uh, even his thought processes and in, in metabolism—it's uh, all essentially those same things, but amped up due to the fact that it's now um, it's now been based upon Kryptonian cellular physiology. That's that's been incorporated into this. So, Super Soldier as a character develops uh, a lot of the same power attributes that we associate with Superman, such as flight uh, being what we would consider probably nigh invulnerable, or at the very least bulletproof uh, in, in regards to this story. Uh, he, he has heat vision, super strength, not just superhuman strength, and, like lifting tanks in the war. And uh, they give him essentially the same costume that you're familiar with seeing Captain America in. However... The top part of the uh, the mask, the cowl that would cover his entire head where the A and the wings on the side would be, is cut off so you can see uh, his his hair, his blonde hair. Uh, and instead of the black belt that comes across his red trunks on Captain America's costume, it's the uh, yellow belt that we're used to seeing on Superman's trunks on his. And uh, we see that instead of a... a uh, titanium, adamantium, vibranium alloy shield uh, on Captain America's arm, on Super Soldier's arm, rather. It's, uh, it's an S, the the Superman S insignia, as it were, as a shield, red and yellow, um, likely standing for Super Soldier in this regard. Uh, but it, it would probably be reasonable to assume that the metal itself came from the rocket that they found the uh, the corpse that they took the Kryptonian cells from, uh, and in of course him being labeled Super Soldier and, and becoming this this new champion for the U.S. during World War II, uh, they send him overseas, and he starts he starts fighting in the war. the uh, The difference is you know, with they they combine uh, Bucky and Jimmy Olsen in in some respects. Uh, Jimmy Olsen is a character that basically stumbles upon what they were doing with this experiment as they initiate it and turn Clark Kent into super soldier. And he makes a deal with them for not kind of like telling what the entire thing is about this entire project. Uh, They let him be the official press flack for super soldier. So he does essentially become a a friend slash sidekick to this uh, Superman, Captain America amalgamation. But he doesn't actually partake in any of the the battles or fights that we see go on overseas. He's just there to take photos and, and, and report there, there back.
0: There is a, a Bucky um, as you go a little bit further in. If, I don't know if it's in this one or the next one, but they actually have the James Buchanan character in here. So um, they they kind of like they didn't combine
1: Jimmy Olsen. They just combined Jimmy Olsen's role yeah that's what they they combine the roles uh i think james buchanan is in the second one because i don't recall i haven't read man of war superman super soldier man of war uh in many years Uh, i only read this one for the episode and i don't i don't recall seeing
2: everyone thinks because you're a zombie you don't know good coffee well they're wrong there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating; It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee, coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door. Oh, they're so disgusting.
0: It's it's pretty much the same creative team too. It's it's written by Mark Wade with pencils by Dave Gibbons and listeners will remember Dave Gibbons from The Watchmen. So uh or uh was it uh Trooper? Was it Jeez, oh, they're going to kill me for this one. I, I can't think of his name now, but the uh the Trooper um and um 2000 AD.
1: A Trooper and what?
0: I can't think of the the Trooper now what it is, but um like he had another book
1: Oh, okay. I'm, really, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My Dave <laughs>
0: Gibbons lore, you know.
1: Rogue but, um, Trooper.
0: Rogue Trooper. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is yeah, a, it's a, crazy
1: British comics kind of mm-hmm. throw me for a loop sometimes.
0: But there's parts in this when you look at the art and you're like, oh my god, this. Is so close to the Watchmen, like when you yeah, see like, it, really his, is. Jimmy Olsen, you're like, He looks like Rorschach, you know. So it's, Not only it's that,
1: but really especially cool. when you think about when they were doing stuff with um in in Watchmen when the comic book, when they, yeah, flash, like the newspaper
0: headlines too. I didn't even think of that.
1: Flashback to the the newspapers, the uh, the the way the way that it's lettered. Um, yep. is all Dave Gibbons. Uh, when you think about when they they show everything that's typed up in Watchmen as as part of the, the paneled story. Yeah. Uh, also just um the, the fact that when they show everything with the Minutemen. Uh, oh yeah. That era, yep. uh, it's so especially when you get into the the thick of it when they they touch upon some of the older stuff, it's very reminiscent of what they were doing with the the 1940s 1950s uh, attempted superhero group in Watchmen. Uh, and, and this and, is
0: ten years after Watchmen, so it's like that's that's not even all that long. So it's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, but uh, I mean, Dave givens has such a particular artistic style and lettering style that it's it's so difficult to separate it out. <laughs> like. I, I the second I I took a look at this I actually knew before I realized it was Mark Wade writing. I, cuz I don't I don't look at the writers before I read it. I look at it after. Cuz I oh, don't okay. want Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to let my opinion of the writer taint or tint what it is I'm about to read. I, I know that might sound Jim weird. shooter. Ew. I like to I like to let the story speak for itself. And then if I see who the writer is, I'll either it'll either confirm what I already believe about them or I'll be like impressed and maybe even a little befuddled as to why they can't write at that quality
0: regularly. Do so you read a lot of Brian Michael Bendis books is what you're saying?
1: I mean, I have. Yes. Okay.
0: That's that's fair. So, because I, I could see that.
1: Fool me once. Like,
0: what are you thinking? It's like, all right, that's it. Now I've got to balance this out and read her Miles Morales book. <laughs> it's like,
1: fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame I, on I love me. his
0: run of Daredevil. I, I'm just being glib, but. Oh, yeah. he's, he, is, he is great. <laughs> I, I mean, there's <laughs> he's both there's... great and awful at the same time. Yeah, so. he's
1: like The Wizard of Oz <laughs> great and terrible. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so they they have a lot of fun combining the two right off the bat. Um, we we get a lot of that classic Gibbons artwork. I love the um the combination of. I mean, f- first first and foremost, the fact that Hydra is Hydra, yeah. In this comic, like that's it. Hydra is an offshoot of what the Third Reich was. Clearly, like there's probably very little similarity in their development over time within the amalgam universe as it happened in Marvel comics, which I can appreciate. There are some things that, that work and you don't need to change. Uh, but the combination of Lex Luthor with red skull and turning him into the green skull was a nice touch. Uh, we, we know, especially from John Burns run on, on the man of steel going into Superman, the, uh, the monthly series from 1986 into 1987, that uh, Lex Luthor, he just had like the biggest hard-on for kryptonite once he realized it, it could hurt Superman. And what I thought was one of the most logical story points moving forward from that was Lex Luthor actually developed cancer mm. from wearing a kryptonite ring all the time. Because it turns out the radioactivity that harms Superman harms him immediately but it does actually harm human beings just over an elongated period of time like the more prolonged your exposure to it the greater the risk is that you're going to develop cancer uh much like anything that's fucking radioactive so yeah good job genius businessman les luther um but they they go so far as to say that uh luther in this you know he was a a nemesis of uh of super soldier way back during the war and if you look at his little purple robe because of course he's purple with the green skin and everything that that gives him a fucking ghastly countenance on the purple robe with his little golden dicky underneath it uh he has it initialed ll for lex luther but the way that the two l's cross over. It's very similar to half of the formation of a swastika. Uh, and that's actually not the first time that we've seen such a symbol used, especially in some of the stuff we've covered on this show. They did the same thing in Superman, Last Son of Earth, when Clark Kent returned back as a Green Lantern, when Luther was you know, starting his own fascist reg- regime to take over humanity. He used a giant red circle with two interlocked L's for his initials, but very similar to the Nazi swastika.
0: I know Mark Wade didn't write that one, but he <coughs> may have edited that one.
1: Maybe. I'd have to I have to look it up. Because um, he was
0: editor for uh, Gotham by Gaslight, um, so you never know. I'm sure he would have read it.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Mark Wade, it's important, I think, for people to understand, too, that... Um, he is a walking encyclopedia for a lot of B.C. Uh, comics, especially as it relates to the JLA. He can literally give you like volume and issue number for the stories that take, that take place in that, that particular title over the decades. Like it's, it's something to behold from what I'm given to understand.
0: I think he's cool as hell. I, I got to meet him on a, uh, a chat during the pandemic. And um, I, I got to ask him like two, three questions, something like that. So I asked him, where was Booster Gold during Kingdom Come? And and he said, he's like, because it's not actual canon that he was running the restaurant. That's not canon.
1: Oh, um, boosters. Yeah, that's... Yeah,
0: so th- like that was just like a, a, a joke they threw in there or something like that. But he's like, yeah, you know, that wasn't my era. So he's like, he's like, you know i stopped kind of around when like firestorm was in there so that's like i made sure firestorm is in there but like everybody else i kind of left up to alex ross to fill in i'm like oh okay so he <laughs> he didn't uh, he didn't deem to put booster anywhere really no kidding
1: um i cannot find who the editor was looking it up on on last son of earth
0: no uh, you never know maybe it's uncredited but it, it wouldn't shock me if he had some sort of hand in it
1: yeah, I, 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 it, I, wouldn't be surprised. It was, I mean, it was two thousand, so maybe. Um, oh, that but, was after
0: this, then, wasn't it? Crap.
1: Yeah, it was definitely after this. Wow. Um, but yeah, the um, we we get it, we get it straight away though that you know Lex Luthor is obviously some kind of threat. Hydra is a presence, and they just kick the shit. Out uh, of like a septuagenarian Jimmy Olsen who inexplicably still has red hair, um, good for you, old man. You got to be dying that or something because uh, as the son of a ginger, I honestly have to say that when uh you know they're up there in in age and Leo, I mean,
2: oh yeah, I'm turning white.
1: Yeah, it it goes from red to like silver slash white, real fast, like, like
0: Donnie fast. Most, yeah.
1: Yeah, like fast as you can imagine. Like my dad's hair went from like red to like a like a weird darkish kind of color to then silver. Like as quick as you can fucking blink. It was it was something. It was something. It was remarkable. I'll say that.
0: Like in the Muppet Christmas Carol, the Ghost of Christmas Present. <laughs> <laughs> practical examples gentlemen
2: <laughs> it, it's taken a while for, for mine to turn like my beard has a bunch of white but I got like this one patch like right in the front but the rest like it's very it's,
1: small. Only, it's only a matter of time pond you fucking I, I know I just know. you wait pal <laughs> you'll be you'll be right where I you know what the fucked up thing is Leo is um where I have white and stuff in my my beard my facial hair all together it all started where all of the red was in my beard because I wasn't a ginger. I, I was dark haired. I I mean, I still technically am. But, you know, thanks, Socratic wreath, male pattern baldness. Um, it's the only way to fly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'd rather lose my hair in a Socratic wreath than the fryer talk, to be perfectly honest. I've got oh. both. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I went full Socratic wreath. It just went it just went back and then gone. It didn't start from the back and go to the front or anything. It just creeped all the way and then disappeared. I mean, I still have like those clear hairs that pop up on my scalp, but those don't count.
0: The Homer Simpson ones. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Even when I don't shave my head, I still have to shave that part of my head. So it, it just doesn't look like I, you know, a, a crazy. Fucking... He looks like Charlie Brown. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, and regardless of all of that, uh Jimmy Olsen is getting the shit kicked out of him by Hydra and he's he's been propped up in front of Lex Luther who's of course who's of course just like monologuing, but not in a revelatory manner per se. Just you know, yada yada yada, I'm finally gonna fucking do my shit. You know, all right, good for you, Lexi. We're, we're glad to hear it. And uh Shortly after that, we we see uh, that, you know, Jimmy makes his way back to the... Is it the Daily Planet? Yeah, it's the Daily Planet. Uh, and he's the chief. He's the editor-in-chief at the Daily Planet. And Clark, uh, as super soldier who's been, you know, he was found frozen by the JLA. And now he's, he's trying to reincorporate himself into the world. He's like, Jimmy! And as Jim's about to fall, of course... Clark's there uh, in the blink of an eye to keep him from actually collapsing, which, of course, no one questions how yeah. he made it across the room in no time whatsoever. Uh, and he hands Clark his broken wristwatch, like it's shattered, the, the face of it. And uh, he's just saying, Washington at four. They kidnapped me. They brought me in. Washington at four. Washington at four. And uh, Clark slips into the uh, storeroom. At the Daily Planet, classic trope, and uh, pulls the metal S shield out of his his uh, messenger bag. I guess it's or... an
0: artist portfolio.
1: Artist portfolio. Yep, I I just saw the Kent thing, the artist portfolio, and um, then pulls his shirt open to reveal his you know Super Soldier star and spangled uniform underneath. Uh, and the, we get the title of the episode, Secret of the K-Bombs. And uh, he sets off from the the, the Daily Planet flying uh, as Super Soldier. And uh, he, men- he mentions to himself that he's uh, in a world where he's gradually gr- getting weaker while Luther and, and Hydra and their cartel grow stronger and stronger. Um, we get a little bit of exposition that the JLA uh five he was frozen for five decades until the JLA found him and thought him out into a world without justice. Uh, and that the end for him was fighting uh, a, a Nazi branded giant machine known as Ultra Metallo. Uh and he went toe-to-toe with with the uh the robot. And <laughs> The next thing he knew, he was, you know, he was getting, he, w- he was doing like a, a fucking, you know, set of chicken thighs getting set out for a family. He was, he was uh, on the counter and uh, thawing out and getting ready to be eaten by a family of four, I guess. I don't know.
0: I, I was wondering do you think that Ultra Metallo is a cross between Arnim Zola and Metallo? So I wasn't sure exactly. uh, I guess I'm not as familiar with the fiends of uh, Captain America.
1: I mean, I feel like it might have been a touch of Arnim Zola. But really. Your main influences. I don't want to say combinations because. The the, there's uh, not enough information given about this thing, but yeah, probably Arnim Zola just a tad due to the whole Captain America bit and the the size of the robot and the fact that there wasn't any other real character. There's no head really,
0: you know, it's kind of like stomach Um, driven, but
1: like uh, ultra humanite.
0: Oh, interesting. So
1: that's DC slash Superman. Mm hmm. Uh, so they more essentially combined two Superman villains, um, one very classic and one more modern. Uh, and then gave it like uh, they 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 ran Ultra Humanite Metallo through a blender, and then just dusted it with a sprinkling of
0: Arnim Zola. That's a cool character too, Ultra Ultra Humanite. I I loved um. When uh, he showed up as the bad guy in the Power Girl series, oh, just wait,
1: just wait until we cover Superman, Batman, generations. It's coming up.
0: Ultra Ultra Humanite's kind of like a giant gorilla, um, with like a huge brain that kind of uh, protrudes out from its skull, and he's got kind of uh, he's all white. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, he's
1: um, he he's he switches his brain from he he has the ability to. Uh, And not like magically or or anything like that, just through surgery and stuff. He has perfected the science of transferring his brain from body to body. And so one of the most powerful uh, forms that he found was this white gorilla. So he had his brain put into the body of this white gorilla, and that's who the ultra humanite has been portrayed as for a very long time just like this mental and now physical powerhouse
2: so uh according to wikipedia the ultra metallo is an amalgamation between dc's metallo and the marvel's the first sleeper
1: okay why ultra then
2: I don't know. It says the sleepers is the name of several fictional characters appearing in American <laughs> comics published by Marvel comics. Sleepers are depicted the five destructive robots created by the Red Skull.
0: Oh, so so maybe it is something that I've not heard of because I'm not familiar with like 1940s uh, Captain America. So. Yeah,
1: maybe. I still think there's a little bit of ultra humanite in there just because it's a classic villain. Absolute classic villain. Um, just a way to... F- and, and considering that this is Mark Wade writing it, I, I, I don't doubt that the ultra was thrown in there just to like give any readers who are even vaguely aware of who that that villain was just a, 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 a little hint like, oh, this is this is a bigger than life, like crazy character, because that is really what the ultra humor is like. That is full blown comic book sci fi villain. <laughs> yeah, agreed. You know that actually I don't want to say something. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> but that is full blown full blown comic book villain, like guy who can surgically transfer his brain into other bodies and he settles on a fucking giant white gorilla. Alright. All right. Sounds like Julie Schwartz was involved there. Julia Schwartz was an editor at DC who was famous for saying, uh, put a bunch of monkeys and animals on the cover. Kids love monkeys. <laughs> And the thing is, the man was not wrong. Every time they put monkeys on the cover of a, a JLA book or in a DC comic book, they sold like fucking hotcakes.
0: Congorilla.
2: Is that why the, the uh, Wonder Twins uh, went to? They became monkeys, I wouldn't right?
1: say that Julie Schwartz directly had a hand in that, but I would say that his influence on the comics of the 60s in the Silver Age dictated... Why they had those abilities, and why bleep yeah. was a gleep What the hell is his name? Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, <laughs>
2: gleep. yeah. bleep. Yeah. <laughs> ing- <laughs>
1: yeah, I think his influence dictated that those things be uh, be incorporated into the cartoon. If that makes sense, that
2: does. You
1: know, and, and that's just conjecture on my part. But I mean. I do recognize patterns, so even if somebody wants to deny what I'm saying, I now believe it to be gospel truth, so you can go pounce in.
0: I just love that Leo brought up the Wonder Twins. That's that's the highlight for me, because I'm like, wow, that's what you got. (laughs) That's awesome.
1: Didn't see the Wonder Twins coming up. I really didn't. I would have had it on my card. Yeah, my bingo card had no Wonder Twins (laughs) on it whatsoever. Um. But yeah, so whilst we have a super soldier reminiscing about his uh, misadventures during World War II that resulted in his becoming a, a capsicle, uh, he flies to the middle of Washington. It's four o'clock, just like Jimmy had said. And I love that he says to himself, what signal were you trying to give me with your watch, old friend? Which is a fun little, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, to the fact that Jimmy Olsen in classic Superman comics had a signal watch to directly let Superman know that there was trouble. Uh, so that's that, you know, for anybody that's aware of Superman mythos and lore, you you would understand, like, oh, Jimmy Olsen's signal watch, that's that's cute. Uh, but he looks down and sees the Washington Monument, and he starts saying, "Washington at four, Washington." monument at four o'clock cast the sundial dial shadow directly at that building. It's like phenomenal work there. Super soldier. But also how the fuck would Jimmy know that? I am. I just really would love to know how Jimmy would know that
0: it's its weird that they let him go and they didn't say anything. And they're like, oh, he must know, you know who this is because he's keeping the secret. So it's its a little nebulous in that sense. <laughs> But it's also kind of Hitchcockian, you know, where it's like they're kind of leading us, you know, through this this sort of mystery that he's solving. So it's like, oh, okay. But if you've read like those those Silver Age comics, like you're like, oh, yeah, of course, you know. It's like how batman figures out like like uh the penguin schemes by saying things like uh oh uh, uh canary with a machine gun it's it's kind of like that and if you can make that leap you know you can accept that oh a giant sundial diabolical
1: <laughs> you'll find me all in a tennis court oh son of a bitch
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mac and rose, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mac and rose. <laughs> i've got it, old chum Mac and rose
0: Billy Jean King's jeans. <laughs> what? Of
1: course, old friend.
0: The song it's... Philadelphia Freedom. Uh,
1: <laughs> what? Ar- Arthur Ashe. <laughs> <Yeah>. What? <laughs> does it... Venus Williams. All right. Come on, Bruce. And of course, what are they playing on? Enough. play? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. um Clark, Uh, Super Soldier. Bust through the building, and of course Hydra is there. Which, like, if it's a secret, if it's a secret lair, I don't know why they feel the need to have a giant Hydra emblem emblazed, huge on the wall in this place. It just, it feels like there's no plausible deniability whatsoever.
0: And yeah, it, did you get the the sense too that it's like Hydra is is also Cobra? You know, um, or the the Serpent Society, based on, yeah. on this a little bit. So it's it's kind of like they're going for that, but they're they're really big on on um, icons and um, idol idolatry, I guess you'd call it, like mm-hmm. like worship of idols. So yeah, and they're narcissists. So
1: yeah, uh, but after Super Soldier takes out a, a few of the Hydra soldiers or what have you, workers, I guess. Uh, there's you know purple and purple robe yellow dicky green skinned lex Luthor, aka the green skull um and he's just like hey i'm the mastermind i'm I'm old and i want to see you die and i'm pretty sure it's gonna happen in the next five minutes so i'll <laughs> i'm just gonna monologue like crazy here and tell you my entire plan not just right now for the past 70 fucking years like it's so yeah, fun <laughs> i mean sure lex i don't know if that's the best move, but uh, yeah, you do your thing, and that's uh, when he says, "Like, hey, look, uh, here's my giant ultra metallo robot. You remember this this bad Larry that that you know you 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 know, slipped into the frozen drink with? Yeah, well, uh, you ain't the only thing that was thawed out, buddy. And now I'm gonna let it finish its mission. And uh, <laughs> he's like, "You remember that what that was, you stupid soldier." <laughs> and I wish he had called him stupid soldier at some point that would've Oh, that'd have that been great. Place. Or stupor. <laughs> yeah, stupid soldier. And uh that's when Ultrametallo uh smacks super soldier like he fucking owes him money <laughs> right out of the goddamn building.
0: You can see in the fine print he yells two dollars.
1: <laughs> I want my two dollars. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, a Better Off Dead reference for our listeners. You'll find those, interest- <laughs> those interspersed throughout the series here. Uh, and that's when Super Soldier is thinking to himself, like, Ultra Metallo had a bomb planted in his chest. The moment he reaches the White House, it detonates, and Washington, D.C. turns to ash. Uh, so probably, probably not good if Ultra Metallo makes it to... The white house Uh, yeah so there's that we don't want that to happen or do we no we don't and uh (laughs) we have uh we have him fighting and you know lex is taunting him through maybe a frequency that yeah it seems to be a frequency that only super soldier can hear he's he's saying fight on super soldier you can hear me can't you of course you can with what's left of your super hearing uh, once again mocking the fact that as clark had mentioned earlier in the issue his his strength his powers have been waning considerably since he was unfrozen uh and you know lex explains to him i can see you through metallo's cameras from the safety of my bunker like okay dude i don't know why you need to explain that but sure it's nice to know too that uh still all kinds of uh connectivity that that worked uh this far ahead in the future that he could look at it through cameras i wonder if it's a fucking tube television he's using and that uh seems
2: like it, yeah uh yeah with, with the curve yeah yeah it's,
1: uh, <laughs> and uh and we we you know he's like once before you fought him at a standstill when you were at your physical peak <laughs> once before we're like all right thanks thanks you green meanie <laughs> and uh you know, that's when Super Soldier is, you know, remarking to himself like, is right, there's something about Metallo that seems to set my powers even further. He's stronger than me, but that's no excuse to give up. If there's a way to outmaneuver him, I'll find it. Oh, that stick-to-itiveness. So, so very much a hallmark of both Superman and Captain America. It's like they combine the cap. Oh, I get it now. And, uh... You know, Super Soldier, he pierces the chest of Ultra Metallo and he's like, if I can just get to the bomb. And that's when he gets bombarded by a huge green glow of what can only be kryptonite in the middle of Ultra Metallo's chest in the least shocking news of the episode. Um, And we get... (laughs) We get Lex taunting him over this frequency still saying like, oh, the radiation hurts, doesn't it? It's a bear. Uh, and then he, he explains it more because this dude just, he loves monoline. Um Uranium, plutonium? No, the robot's driven by a meteorite that landed near that old alien rocket ship. I like to call it the Kansas Load, Green K for short. I will say this is the first time I had ever seen the term Green K utilized for kryptonite. Hmm. It is not a term that I had ever seen used before Super Soldier in Amalgam Comics. I, I'm not saying that that's definitively the case. It's the first time, but it's, it's definitely, for my part, when I noticed it. I, I it had is, never seen is that before. a
2: normal reference in Superman? It has I, I become feel like it was on
1: Smallville for sure. It's become a bit of a reference for, for Green Kryptonite uh over the years, but I had never seen it before this. Uh and I I feel as though uh one, yeah, they definitely say it, I believe, in, in Smallville, but it, it started getting used in comic books more often after the aughts, like the, the early two thousands. Um, and, and the fact here is Lex admits to him, he says, for the longest time, I didn't even know what to do with it. I injected some into my bloodstream, which prolonged my miserable, my miserable life and created my K-bombs with the rest. But there's still enough inside Metallo to create the mother of K-bomb explosions. And it's like, you didn't know what to do with this. <laughs> so you injected it inside of your body. What the f- yep what all right i mean you prolonged your life but uh man you 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 look like the worst cosplay of slimer from ghostbusters i've ever seen
0: <laughs> reminds me of the terror from the tick
1: <laughs> yeah that's fair especially with the eyebrows yeah um and uh is fighting as he's he's listening to all this, and Metallo just mollywops him because of uh, all the radiation pouring out of him. And Clark remarks to himself, he says, this K disrupts the alien cells in my system. But every time Metallo knocks me aside, something suddenly gives me a second wind. I, I don't know what, but I have to take advantage of it. I can't let that bomb explode. And so he, he flies full speed at the back of Ultra Metallo, and uh, he's like, you know, I can I can finally link Luther concretely to this terrorist attack since he's the only one who knows the secret of the K bombs. And uh, he he gets on the front side of Ultrametallo and he gets punched and actually skipped across the water at the the mall in front of uh, the Lincoln Memorial. And uh, he... which is
0: actually an ape. <laughs>
1: Okay. <laughs> different alternate reality oh, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> we'll come back um, to that <laughs> which the novel by Pierre Boulet is the best way to go honest to God if you want you want to real it's only like a fucking 10 pages I swear uh it's it's like everything Tim Burton wanted to do with his movie and just the vaguest bones of what they used to make the movie starring Charlton Heston if you like the original starring Charlton Heston I seriously suggest reading Pierre Boulay's Planet of the Apes. It was translated to English from the French. And uh, then go watch Tim Burton's movie and you'll understand why Tim Burton made some of the choices he did in that movie. That's that's all I'll say about that. But it's a fun alternate take on the same story like three times over. You get the book, you get the first movie, you get the second movie, and none of them are exactly the same. You get a different a different perspective each time uh i will say this though the book by pierre belay this is a this is a tricky thing to pull off the book has two twist endings two completely different twist endings it's fantastic and i only wish they could pull something like that off in cinema but good fucking luck to everybody out there <laughs> um so, yeah, here we have Super Soldier in front of the Lincoln Memorial, and he's being exposed to a massive amount of green K radiation pouring out of Ultra Metallo's chest. And Lex is, of course, still monologuing through this frequency, saying, You know, I've waited half a century for an opportunity to batter the door down, and once the Oval Office becomes ground zero, this country will happily turn me into, uh, will happily turn to me for my fortune and leadership and aid. And uh, for you, well, I only regret that you have but one life to lose for your country. Huh? Uh-huh. You're so funny, Lex. <clears throat> and uh, then Super Soldier's like, Well, um, you know, he doesn't say anything, but he just he just books it. He starts floating away haphazardly. And Luther's like, Why you're running away, you you little bitch, get back here so I can <laughs> model up you alongside the Lincoln Memorial. I guess your colors are really red, white, and yellow coward. Blah, 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 blah. Go ahead, Mattel. Go, go take out the white house. And so the robot makes his way uh, onto the the front green of the white house. And uh, just as he's about halfway over the lawn to the white house itself, uh, a giant pipe comes thrunch as the onomatopoeia tells us uh, through its chest. And, That's when we have Super Soldier coming, uh, flying down and saying, the pipes, the ones I landed in whenever Metallo batted me aside, they were lead. They're what protected me from the K-radiation. Now, with Metallo pitted like an olive, I can trap the K-bomb inside the lead and throw it up, up and away! (laughs) Because Superman would say that in, in comics and cartoons, kids. And, uh, this is a character that was combined with Superman. Anyway, you, you, you heard this. <laughs> and, uh, and he throws it up into uh, the stratosphere and such. And that's when Lex over his, you know, his old timey microphone to his uh, super duper Tesla connectivity for the frequency here. Is just like, no to hell with you. Stupid soldier. I'm going to call him stupid soldier. I don't care. I feel like Lex Luthor from the way he's being written be in 1940s and 50s would absolutely say that. I won't be defeated like this. Do you hear me? I'll blow the bomb yet. Which like dude, you know it just got thrown into the fucking stratosphere, right? But uh that's the best part. A super soldier comes uh flying through the roof and he's like, ah, don't do that, dude, cuz it's not a good idea." He's like, "Oh yeah? Why not? You're still weak. You can't hold me back from hitting a button, apparently." <laughs> And uh, Super Soldier says, fine, be my guest. And it turns out the trajectory at which Super Soldier threw the pipe went directly through the area and came exactly down through the hole he made in the roof to land right at Lex's feet in the floor. And uh, that's when Lex freaks out. And he's like, no, I waited so long to to kill your ass and take down the country. This isn't fair. Boo hoo hoo. Yeah. Sorry, Lex. I. I guess maybe, maybe you should have just like been okay with the lots of money you had and not injected weird space rocks into your blood, but whatever. What do I know? I'm, I'm just the guy talking about it, right? If he didn't do it, I couldn't talk about it. And, uh, you know, that's as he's complaining about how he waited 50 years for his chance. That's when super Soldier turns to him and says, yeah, well that makes two of us Time to go to the justice department. shithead." <laughs> And uh, that's when the Daily Planet shows us, uh, oh, of all times, February 29th, 1996. That's that's uh, that's fun. You know, like on a day that never really happens ever, you know, like often it's only every four years. Why not have an amalgam comic story take place on that same day? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, it says Luther exposed behind Washington attack exclusive by James Olson. Who, as we know, is the editor in chief of the Daily Planet, and uh, we have you know different reporters and stuff in the bullpen. Uh, I think standing that's Sharon, around Sharon Carter. Sharon Ca- Carter, who earlier in the episode was complaint episode issue, was complaining about her byline being misspelled as Sharon Crater. <laughs> um, she's clearly the Lois Lane type character for Clark in this, and uh, they're all surrounding. Jimmy uh, as he's sitting down with some a, a bandage on his head and uh, his arm his wrist bandaged and his right arm in a sling uh, oddly enough looking from this distance the way that that uh, Dave Gibbon drew him more like Jack Kirby than fucking most <laughs> characters I've seen that are supposed to look like Jack Kirby. the only thing he's missing really at that point is a cigar in his mouth. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, he he really does, like, from a distance, look like Jack Kirby. And,
0: there's, uh, yes, uh, art in this, too. Like, there's that one where he's kind of rising up with his hand out like this. And I'm like, that is like a Jack Kirby pose for
1: sure. Oh, 100%. Um, and, you know, Gibbon, I think Gibbons is really good at wearing his influences on his sleeve. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he doesn't try to hide it. He's very, very caring about the things that he loved that brought him to the point where he was able to do the things he does, which, I think is a rarity for a lot of artists and writers uh, in in this industry whatsoever. That's part of the reason why Mark Wade is one of the best out there because he really does love these characters and stories. And it shows not just in his enthusiasm for what he writes, but his enthusiasm for the things that came before and the things that other people do. Uh, Mark Wade is definitely one of those, those uh, creators who, loves to be able to talk about the great things that other people are doing and uh that's one of the things that i found most respectful about him is he is first and foremost a comic book fan uh that's that's not always the case um i think a lot of people might start off like that and they become jaded um, I think a great example of that is uh, is Alan Moore. I think he is someone who is absolutely in love with the comics that he read growing up as a kid. Mm-hmm. And he really does appreciate the medium of comic books. <clears throat> but it's his own experiences within the industry for that medium that have jaded him past the point of caring about what that stuff he loved as a kid and worked on initially was. Um, I think if he had been treated better and had a better experience, we'd still be getting some of the best superhero stuff out of Alan Moore, but I can't blame him for a second for feeling pushed out. Uh, Dave Gibbons, he's someone who never got squeezed out and never... Funny enough, for being a British artist and the types of work that he has done, the, the darker um, deconstructivist type stories that he's worked on, there's still that, that side of him that loves doing the bright, shiny, optimistic superhero tales. And once again, it's really easy the longer somebody works with characters like this that act like that, that behave in such ways to finally get to a point to say this is absolutely fucking ridiculous and I don't know why I'm doing it. Uh, and he's someone who is regularly delivered on any and every single thing that he works on.
0: Oh, agreed. Yeah, th- I don't think he's phoned
1: anything and ever. Yeah. yeah. You know, but like there was there was an o- obvious love of the early and early up to 70s comics for both of these characters for superman and captain america and they 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 carried that with them into it and through it uh the fact that it was mainly the two of them that worked on the entirety of this book the only thing that um wasn't done to put it to put it like this mark wade wrote it and then uh what's his face uh buh, 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 buh. mark mark wade wrote it and then dave gibbons penciled it inked it and lettered the entire thing yeah and it yeah, was, I was surprised he the only he it was colored by Angus McKee or Mackay and then the editors were Mike McGavney and Casey Carlson but like when it came to the actual creative process through and through it was these two masters Mark Wade and Dave Gibbons.
0: Well, it looks like there's color. It says CGI by Electric Pickle in in, in the book that I'm reading. So um, <laughs> whoever Electric Pickle was, they helped with the uh, the coloring in uh, some of the, the covers
1: there. Well, that would be Angus McKee. I mean, not for nothing, but was this, I think... Um, Bob I, the Harris. Electric yeah. Pickle. <laughs> so the, the executive editor on this one was Bob Harris, which with the writer being Mark Ray, Mark Wade, I'm, I'm curious. I don't know. W- which collection is that in uh, DC DC? Okay. So it, it was a DC
0: book. Okay. let can see if there's an overall editor <clears throat> uh, DC comics collection. Uh, John no, it doesn't have a specific um, editor to it.
1: Yeah, but if but if it's if it's in DC, then then it's DC. Okay, so Super Soldier is is uh, Janet
0: uh is uh, Janet was the president and editor in chief at the time. Paul Levitz was the executive vice president slash publisher. So and Mike Carlin. So I mean, there's your your people. You know, editors for ongoing series Paul Cooperberg, Kevin Dooley, Dan Thousand, Brian Augustine, Denny O'Neill, and Casey Carlson. And I do believe that Casey Carlson is mentioned in the second uh, print of it. So,
1: nice.
2: Yeah. um, But, question for you. Yeah, Um, what's that? So, Wikipedia lists in Super Soldier number one, which what we just covered. There should have been a character, the Doom Knot, which is an amalgamation between Doomsday and Juggernaut.
0: He's in a different book.
2: He's in a uh, different book, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, and I think it's the JLX book.
2: Um, see. Okay. Doom I mean, it's not, not... I mean, I know there's...
1: Wikipedia's wrong at times, so...
2: I was just curious.
1: Yeah. Um, well, Hose... So, they what is it they what is it they said he should have been?
2: So, uh, they this is all the character breakdowns for Amalgamania or Amalgamation, uh, Amalgam Amalgam <laughs> Comics, Amalgam Comics. Uh, so Super Soldier number one includes James Olson, which is uh James Buchanan, and, uh, and uh Jimmy Olson, mm-hmm. Green Skull, which is Lex Luthor, and Red Skull. Ultra Metallo, which is Metallo and the Sleepers, and then Doom Knot, which is Doom okay, Day. No, Do- so
1: Doom Knot is mentioned in the fake letter column. I oh, don't know okay. if you realize this, but the Amalgam Comics, the letter columns at the end, they're fake. Ah, uh, yeah, because okay. like, like for example, at the end of this one, the very first uh, letter that they that they print is from Simon Schuster. Yeah, in, Cle- in Cleveland, Ohio. Yep. You, you know they combined Joe Simon and Joe and Joe Shuster to make the name Simon Schuster So you have a you have a, a Marvel guy who created Captain America and one of the two guys who created Superman. Because uh, a lot Otto of people Sternberg. out there, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people out there think that Stan Lee like created Captain America, and to that I say. Uh, to quote Dr. Cox from uh, the show Scrubs, which is one of my favorites, wrong, 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 wrong. You see uh, Kirby Siegel? <laughs> Kirby Siegel, yep. yep. Otto, Otto. Sternb- Sternburn. Do you yep. see that? Otto Sternburn? Yep. Otto Binder, Roger Stern, and John Byrne. That's great. I, I don't think I ever caught that before. But uh, in that that issue right th- in the the letter section right there <clears throat> next issue uh, he's yeah. a strange visitor from another planet how does our hero feel about this well he'd he'd probably be happier if the alien wasn't choking the life out of him <laughs> he's big he's unstoppable he's doom not and he's arriving in 30 days courtesy of mark and of wade and gibbons this is this ish is also a prelude to our multi-part epic Reign of the Super Soldiers. So, you'll hate yourselves for missing this one. So, what do you think of our American made Marvel's first solo cover in over 50 years? Bringing new glory to old glory in DC was artist extraordinaire Dave Gibbons and masterfully red, white, and hued by Angus Mackay. So, that's the old that's yeah. where your doom knot is in a tiny oh, that's blue. That's who box. Electric
0: Pickle was. <laughs>
1: It was electric pickle. I'm, it. I'm, I'm electric pickle, Rick. <laughs> Morty, Morty, <laughs> Morty, <my> Morty. <laughs> Listen, cat. I, I know you. I know you think that I'm that I'm a snake or something. But but don't hit me. <laughs> I know. I know cats think pickles are snakes. But don't hit me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like funny. I I I find. That um Mark Wade and Dave Gibbons were really I, I think in a lot of ways more than other people involved with this first wave, especially, were really, really embracing their inner 12-year-olds when they made this comic. Like there's there's such a, a fondness for clearly the comics that they read growing up regarding heroes, if not specifically these two heroes, heroes very much like the two of them. And to bring their sensibilities together on this, it, it, even though it's a comic that takes place in modern day, because, you know, Super Soldier's been unfrozen and brought forward and everything, it has a very Silver Age quality to it. Absolutely. It feels like it feels like a silver age comic book. You know, he may as well have said, I've been frozen for 15 years or 20 years rather than 50 at that point. Um, But that being said, I still feel as though this is a character that um, I think trying to represent both Superman and Captain America is a tough call. However, there was probably a better blended approach to what this character could have looked like. I will say that in regards to how Dave Gibbons designed the suit overall with like the the cowl being cut off at the top, showing his hair instead of having the wings on the side with the A, I actually think that's a vast improvement on what would be Captain America's costume.
0: It's a play on his nomad uh, costume from the late 70s When he was disenfranchised with the Nixon uh, administration and all that
1: Yeah well for, for the thing is for me too I see that and I think like it was a missed opportunity That they didn't necessarily think of Back when Joe Simon and, and, uh, and Jack Kirby created the character they made Steve Rogers a small, blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid to turn into this large, blonde-haired, blue-eyed powerhouse uh, as a, a, you know, thumbing the nose at the whole idea of the Aryan in Nazi Germany. And that it was this blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy from America who was molly whopping the shit out of him when he finally went overseas. I feel like the top of it cut off so you could actually see his hair would have been the exact right move for america to say to nazi germany like oh you think so because it would have further enforced like you're wrong like look the the guy that you say is perfect he's on our side and uh you know it's it's just it's like a small thing but i wouldn't doubt that that kind of thing like went through the minds of both mark wade and dave gibbons as the character was being designed um but once again i think the uh the the idea of the s shield being used for a guy who's fucking bulletproof um don't don't understand it it's there just because they were combining captain america and superman I think that they could have worked with that S being on his chest, but having it be a bit more uh, stylized patriotically, they could have had it detachable. So he could have thrown it and then put it right back on his chest. And where the S was, you could have had like a U up here and an A here just to like feed into the whole nationalistic vibe that they were giving the character, but it would still represent both Captain America and Superman. Um, and instead of like the the yellow belt or whatever, like you could have actually still had like the star or or what have you, but it could have been like on the buckle of the belt as opposed to being right in the middle of his chest. I, I just I just feel like there was there was some missed opportunity.
0: I, I agree with you. You know he didn't have the gloves and and he had the. Uh the top taken off with no uh no little wings so and that's that's kind of thing so yeah i i didn't even notice the yellow belt in in terms of the difference but it, it's a cool look and i mean he had the shield for that one part where he had to block the uh kryptonite that's why they gave him the shield so
1: eh, even then like i i i just feel like it, it, it's a little superfluous Especially considering that they gave it back to him in World War two, and they already knew he was fucking you know bulletproof um but you know i i i do i I am intrigued by the idea that <clears throat> all the weaponry developed since like World War two that had been sold by Luther to the United States and across the world had included like elements of kryptonite in them, so it really would affect how this character, who was given his abilities through, you know, genetic engineering involving Kryptonian cells, was finding himself like less able to do the things he wanted to do that he was trained to do. Uh, that's like that's actually a very intriguing story point. And if this was something that were a continuing comic, I would love to see how that would play out.
0: Oh, definitely. And it seems like he's kind of a prickly pair too. Like, it doesn't seem like he's got a great relationship with the other people at the office. So, I I would be interested to see is, like, is he not well-liked?
1: You know, he's probably abrupt because he, he has to, like, rush out and, you know, take care of super soldier stuff, and also because of that, he doesn't foster any interpersonal relationships.
0: And like Steve, he's a man out of time, so you know... The only one knowing his secret would be Jimmy, so Jimmy's kind of the thread that holds him on. And they'd be like, "Why do you keep? Why do you keep Steve around? You know, or Clark, or you know?"
1: Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Why? Why? Why is he? Why are you two so chummy? He's like forty years younger than you. I don't get it. You know, it
0: reminds me a lot of myself as a young dude, man. Oh, you know, he's yeah.
1: an old soul. We have a lot. We have a lot more in common than you think. You know, that,
0: that, that's some of the stuff that I loved about, like the John Byrne era of uh, Captain America too, where he's like, yeah i got to go listen to some big band music and all that. <laughs> and like <laughs> Big band. It's, like it's the 70s. Aren't you going to listen to like, you know, Iron Butterfly or something? And it's like, no, nah, I like the classics, you know, and I, I feel like that's always a fun thing for them to talk about and. You know, there's, there's room that they could have moved with this. There's so much meat on the bone. Oh, interesting. Look at that.
2: It, really quick and ugly, but...
1: But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit more on the nose than, than what we actually saw executed in Amalgam Comics, for sure. I mean, I'm sure there's other things. I mean, honestly, like, if you look at my shirt right here... Yep. Like the I Star-Spangled mean, Superman. Um, yeah, I mean... This, this is like right on par with what they were they were aiming for. You know, I would have been fine with, honestly, ideally, what they should have done was make the yellow field and the S white. Uh uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, the, the yellow belt, part of the reason why I have a problem with it is because it's completely out of place with everything else on that costume there's nothing yellow on it except that belt at all. You know, so if, even if you would change it to the black belt, like Captain America has, at least it looks a little bit more like in place, but, uh, but yeah, that, that S like being red and and gold essentially, because it's metallic, like, eh, okay. And I'm saying that is, you know, a full blown, like Superman a file. They they should have they should have made the the necessary changes to to each character to incorporate the stronger elements of them and not try to not try to be so representative like go for a full combination don't don't just uh, mishmash it as it were I think I think Doctor Strange fate is probably one of the best examples of how you combine. Elements of of different characters to really make the the amalgamation character stand out as something clearly derived from but wholly different. You know this when I see it, I'm just like so. So Captain America got like a new like a new like capless suit, and he has a Superman shield now. That's really all it looks like. Yeah.
2: Yeah, cuz the the suit would be blue. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. Just add white.
1: <clears throat> but you know, and the thing is like I said, right on the right on the top here um in the the left the top left corner, if you had like a stylized U not part of the insignia full on, all right? But a stylized U here and a stylized A on the upper right Oh outside. yeah. Then it would be USA. And if you still wanted to make this like metallic, you could you could still have it like pull pull off of his chest and have it be something he could throw like the shield that could like bounce off and he could calculate you know where it would where it would come off and blah 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 blah. And it'd be used offensively rather than defensively because defensively I mean uh, defensively rather than offensively. Because, you know, he just why the f- I just why the fuck do you give a bulletproof guy a shield? I just don't. I don't get it. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's one of those things too that I think as the character went on, he would lose, and it would make sense. But I mean, Superman had a shield when he was was it Blockbuster? No, not Blockbuster. Uh, Gangbuster. Gangbuster. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that's also at a point in time during Invasion when he would, like, th- thought he was going to sleep and he'd wake up completely powerless and would go out acting as this vigilante gangbuster. You know, there's a, a little bit of a difference there. I I think was that you, post-John like, Byrne or was that John Byrne era? I think that was John... I think it was tail-end John Byrne era.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I wasn't sure if that was him or Simonson.
1: Um, But... You know, I mean there's a lot of elements here that I really enjoy. And I think were this character to be revisited, you could probably see a slight retooling of the design. And uh taking a lot of those same story elements, it could actually be made into something a little bit tighter and and uh, less silver agey campy and more uh more suited for modern audiences where it would be a bit more intrigue and in, in, uh what what could be seated as hopefully being long-term interest in what the character is doing.
0: Well, now you got winter soldier and you could mix that with Zod mm-hmm. or something like there's, there's so much that you could do now because of yeah. what, what's happened, you know, it's like, okay. Phantom zone, negative zone, you know, um, uh, like I mentioned to Arnim Zola before, but you could mix that with, with Brainiac. And um, I
1: would actually mix Arnim Zola straight up with ultra humanite at that point. You know, honestly, if you want if if we're if we're saying that ultra Metallo has nothing to do with ultra humanite, then those two guys, a guy who put his brain into a computer and a guy who would put his brain into a fucking giant white gorilla, those those two things kind of line up, you know? I who would you mix it. the
0: parasite with is the
1: question. Oh, from Captain America.
0: And who would you miss uh- Batrock the Leaper. <laughs> you know? Ooh. That'd be the best. That's tough, man. Maybe you mix those two. Why not?
1: Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, no one says it has to be one from each company. I mean we've we've seen examples where it's it's clearly been combinations of people from I mean for crying out loud, Harvey Dent was Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah, that
0: was that was so strange, but like you're like, all right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it didn't not work, Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff like as refined as they, they made it so they could get it out and published and just be fun. uh, There's a lot that can be gleaned from these different projects in Amalgam Comics, especially wave one and where they updated or brought into like this new, this new modern era of comics there probably be a lot more meat on the bone yeah uh, and i think you'd likely see something a little longer than 22 pages given you know this would be like a, a 50 page special for for the, the you probably you probably wouldn't even get a full 12 you could probably get like 6 like 3 and 3 3 from dc 3 from marvel dip their toe back into the water and see how people react to it but they would really at this point people are way even since the 90s far savvier when it comes to character development and and story execution Uh, i think they'd want more than just like a hearkening back to to like the good old days and they'd want to see something that at least gives the appearance of far more substance um and I I think Super Soldier, especially now that more people are far aware of who Captain America is because of the MCU.
0: Yeah, that yeah.
1: There's there's more there that that could be that could be uh, expanded upon and and played around with. <clears throat> but you know, for 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 what it is altogether, like the 1996 stuff that they did. I mean super Soldier is, is yeah i mean i wouldn't go that big with the yeah, i was thinking more along like the cor- like up on the corner like small up yeah 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 no it would be for it would be no no not in that corner like up on the the angle of the yes exactly
0: this is good. What what uh, Leo's doing is actually uh, actualizing this by making a graphic of what Brandon's interpretation of this would be. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't, but I wouldn't make them even smaller, Leo. And don't put them over the S. Do not put them over the S. Don't put them over the S. Don't put them over. The put them
0: o- yep. All right, then. Okay
1: there we go yeah so they're not they're not coming up over the emblem they would be a little bit more stylized obviously it'd be like fancier you'd have somebody like dave gibbons like fucking around with it well i
2: i I grabbed the actual superman font
1: oh perfect yeah yeah um and and you would have something along those lines where it would be usa like clearly boom and that that S could be, like, very metallic, but it's also made from the metal of the rocket that they found the, the corpse they used the cells from, and it can be thrown and bounced around. He uses all kinds of trig and geometry to figure out where it would come back to him <laughs> and his own super reflexes, and there you go. And, of course, because it's made out of the Kryptonian metal, it can't be destroyed, you know? Or, or even more to the point, like, you could have it be somehow that the, they find that after they inject the cells into Clark Kent and they activate it with the solar radiation that somehow the metal reacts to him personally. Like, like his physiology, the cells that, that he has in him, it must have been coded somehow, and the metal returns to him automatically, and they can't explain it. It's just like a, a pleasant you know, like byproduct of, of what it is they did. Like, I would buy that. You know, it it would certainly make more sense than fucking Captain America throwing a shield and no matter what the fuck he does, it comes back to his hand. Magnets. I I thought for sure that they were going to, like, have Tony Stark work on something for that shield in the MCU movies, so it would come back to Steve whenever he threw it. Didn't
0: they do that in Age of Ultron? They had something like
1: that? Uh, I can't remember, in yeah. all honesty. It's probably well, not that he, Yeah,
2: he thing. had a magnet on his arm that, when he flipped it up, it, it like
1: clung to it. Yeah, it should be something along those lines that, that he used. They like. totally nerfed
0: him in that movie anyway, you know?
1: Oh, God. I don't even get me fucking started on that. Especially, what a waste of James Spader. But uh, anyway, regardless of that... <laughs> Um, I, I, I do think that this is a very fun comic, uh, and the talent involved, like this was just, this was just fun for them. You, you could tell they were having an absolute blast making this book. What do you guys think?
0: Great concept. So, so good. What a creative team, you know? Um, I mean, even, even the color scheme that they went with was so silver age, it's it's fun. It's a fun book to read. It's like, like I was telling telling Leo before, one of the what ifs that I really enjoyed was that what if uh, Captain America wasn't frozen or anything like that. It reminds me a lot of that book, especially with the colors that they use. So, which which must be a similar color palette to uh, regular Captain America books, I guess. But I, I like it a lot. I think it's cool.
2: Yeah, I agree. It was definitely a fun read, and uh, the artwork was. Friggin' amazing. Um, And yeah, it had that, you know, Silver Age feel, which made it, you know, all that fun, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, I always always appreciate when we have these, what have amounted to larger-than-life creators doing big or highly noticeable projects that very clearly, unapologetically and unabashedly showcase their love for the comics that instilled in them the love of the medium in and of itself um mark wade is very very much uh in that vein for almost everything he writes that is that is a fact and that's not a that's not to his detriment because he knows how to write for a modern audience while utilizing that same sense that he developed from reading those comics in the 60s. He's got a whole 70s. series
0: like this called empire it's the whole series that yeah. he did is is about exactly what you're talking about
1: yeah it, 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 but it even even goes so far as even when he's doing something deconstructionist like irredeemable that is still very much informed by the 60s comics that he grew up reading and loving you can you can feel that and it's not in a cheeky campy way it's just right there in front of you like if you if you are familiar with how those types of comics were executed how they were just approached and in in consumed then you can see in something like irredeemable that mark wade did that it's, it's 100% influenced by that, even though it's one of the darker superhero stories out there. It's mm-hmm. probably one of the better long-term examples of a what-if-Superman-snapped stories that I've ever seen. And I think part of that is because Mark Wade genuinely loves the character of Superman, and that is no more apparent than... The final panels of that comic book in and of itself but it's easy for a lot of people who do stories like that to lose sight of the love of that character being a reason to do a story like that and they lean towards the cynical um there's nothing cynical about what we read in super soldier whatsoever You no, know, not a not a, a, a pen stroke or a brush stroke was was cynical about this at all. It was it was all very much bright and looking towards the future, even though we end with Clark Kent like pondering like what does it mean for me that all this stuff is like in the atmosphere and slowly weakening me? Like that's how we end it. And it's still like, oh, well, he, but he won, and that's great. So, you know, tune in next month, kids. Like, That's exactly what, what comic books ha- were up until, what, pff, the mid-'90s? You know, being, being fully extreme and, and being informed by the dark greediness of some of the more popular comic books of the 80s, <laughs> it, it really changed how uh, monthly comic books were approached through and through. And this is a this is a fun little throwback, even though it's a one off type amalgamation of two of the most popular characters from either one of those publishers, Marvel or DC.
0: Yeah, really worthy effort from them and and, uh, highly recommend it. This is something that I'd say you you could check out if um, you have a familiarity with either character. Obviously, I didn't have as much familiarity to know who the Ultra uh, Metallos were, but still, it's like you get the
2: gist of it. How could you not know who the Sleepers are? Yeah, the Sleepers. Well, you know. um, Cool,
1: cool, cool. So, uh, Leo, tell me again how the Fantastic Four got their powers. Oh,
0: yeah. (laughs) Wow, dirty play. (laughs) (laughs) But true, but pretty. (laughs) Excellent counter move there, Mister Luther.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: of your time, yes, Otis. You,
1: you right here. <laughs> yes, Otis. Two oh five. My IQ and your weight.
0: Wow, he's he was small. <laughs> Only two.
1: Uh, okay,
2: so let's see. Uh, invisible Woman. She um, got bit by a piece of radioactive glass. Um.
1: Because they, because glass is known to have teeth, so yes, continue. <laughs> and mouths, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah.
2: Human torch, uh, same thing. Radioactive fire. I think he bought the
0: pack from. Uh, uh, was it a uh, Johnny uh, Human Torch? <laughs> you just take these bags and. Uh, so you yeah, take like this bag
1: and you put it right over your head. <laughs> this is uh, Johnny Again.
0: Johnny Broken Glass. Uh, this will turn you invisible. <laughs> so.
1: Reed Richards was written bitten by a radioactive rubber band. Uh no, no, no. He was actually caught.
2: He uh they were doing atomic bomb testing on a rubber tree plant. Oh and, yeah.
1: Yeah. and he did. was he was behind the yep. rubber tree plant yep. and he absorbed its essence along with the radioactivity. <laughs> now whenever yep. he gets mad, he turns all bendy.
2: <laughs> uh and thing, uh he was just an Adams family fan. And, uh, you know, things went awry. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. He predates yeah, he was... that show by about 30 <laughs> years. But that's okay. Or 20 oh, years, maybe.
1: But... Um, I feel like a rock should be involved somewhere in there. But thing was sure. holding a rock. Oh, yeah. okay. There, there we go. Fucking it question was asked, question rock. answered. It was... <laughs> yeah. it was a
2: big rock. I say with, that witchcraft was involved.
1: <laughs> Wolox. <Witchcraft laughs> it's Wolox. Fucking hell! I knew it. <laughs> oh, we'll get you to read a Fantastic Four story at some point, Leo.
0: I swear. We're probably due for one, aren't we?
1: Yeah, we are. We definitely yeah. are. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, I mean, we we had we we had some what ifs. You know, we had a couple.
0: I yeah, yeah it's 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 fun visiting all these. You know, and um, we we've done a bunch of Superman, and and on the other show, we've done a bunch of Batman and all that. So it it's fun to kind of branch out and be like, hey, today we're talking about whatever you know
1: yeah so. uh, i mean i I have, I have some ideas for i mean I, I we we still have um one more amalgam issue to get through uh which you know we'll we'll check out on our other podcast which we'll we'll mention um but yeah i mean this is this has been fun like i've, I've said before there's only 24 amalgam comics so you know we're not gonna burn through all two dozen straight away we're gonna take our time so you know we got coming up on our next episode of Dork Knight that'll be it for 2023 in regards to amalgam comics but that's four down and 20 to go so you know we we still have plenty to to cover over you know over time and uh there's still plenty of other stuff for DC else worlds and Marvel what ifs as well as straight up like storylines like you know if we we get into not just storylines, but even like series. Like I I would love for us to be able to cover, you know, uh, I I plan on us being able to cover in an episode, just like the totality of something like the series planetary, um, which is for full blown lovers of, of comic books and like pulp lore, pulp fiction going all the way back to like the thirties and forties comic strip stuff uh, even, but Regardless of that, uh, I would I would say that we had a, a great time discussing this episode to, today and uh, we could we could probably uh, probably wrap this up. Let's let's uh, do, it, do it. All right, uh, everybody. My name is powerful. Brandon. Thank you for listening to Comics Paradox podcast tonight. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, you can check me out uh, on social media on Instagram at this. Brandon has powers and on Twitter at Brandon's powers uh on instagram you can also find uh at comics paradox podcast uh for for this show uh and uh, if you want to come over to facebook and check out the powers combined group uh we're just a consortium of uh, dorks nerds and geeks that like to get together share news info memes good times and laughs to be had by all our number one rule there is don't be a jerk if you violate that you will be booted immediately uh, aside from uh, hearing me on this every other week, uh, you can also uh, check me out with these two fine fellows on the Dork Knight podcast, in which we discuss and dissect all things Batman. Uh, and that covers a plethora of, of projects. Video games, movies, comic books, regular continuity comics, alternate reality tales, Elseworlds, you name it, we'll talk about it as long as Batman is involved. Uh, And you can also check me out on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Dorkening's Midweek Geeks show. Uh, That's usually on Facebook and any other number of places that you can find it on streaming. Uh, Mr. Cooper.
0: You can check me out on my other shows. Uh, First one is Epic Tales from the Sewers. Right, it's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, podcast where we go through the books, we talk about the stories, and also we do some interesting interviews with artists and writers and people who are Ninja Turtle adjacent. And you can check me out in the Epic Shells Facebook group. It's all turtles all the time. It's a nice positive place to come and uh, share some stuff about turtles, maybe learn some stuff, you know see that a lot of action figure stuff you know fun stuff like that and uh, my new show generation uh, playlist where uh, we actually go through an artist and we will uh, curate a playlist based on uh, what we think are some good examples of their music Uh, we've done pink floyd and we've done uh, queen next up is outlaw country and then there's prince which is pretty cool so yeah check me out there
2: awesome
1: and Mr. Leo, tell us what's happening, brother.
2: Yes, sir. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you can find me everywhere that Brandon was talking about. Uh, but also I do a show called Splash Pages, which is live every Tuesday, where we talk about like all the comic book news. And uh, we often have uh, interviews and, uh, you know, just talking about, you know, we'll, we'll pick a book for the week as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I also produce uh, Still Token With, which is on Wednesdays. And, uh, yeah, that's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, you can find everything on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Head on over to thedorkening.com. You can learn more there. And uh, Google Splash Pages. You know, we have a website we're trying to build up. So uh, definitely check that out.
1: Excellent. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and you have a great day. Bye, bye now. Bye. Bye. now. bye